Why don't we pray together as we prepare ourselves to come under God's word. Heavenly Father, we invite you. And not, not only that, we, we need your presence here with us. Would you change our ears, our eyes, our mind to be receptive to your word? Your word is holy, it is perfect, and it's completely relevant for everything we need. And, and our faculties are not always up to that. So would you do the ultimate spiritual switcheroo for us that we could process and hear for ourselves? And Lord, in spite of my human words... Would your message come and meet us right where we need today? You are not reliant on me to speak. And that's really good. We thank you for that. Would you be honored and praised in Jesus' name? Amen. Good morning. My name is Matt. Good morning. I've been back on the job for about a month, and I know I'm back on the job because I asked somebody before the service, hey, would you be willing to talk after the service? And they cringed. So I know I'm back on the job. The mantle is fitting properly. I'm just kidding, but it is a thing. It is a thing sometimes. Hey, and let me just tell everybody If I want to talk to you, it's probably something good. All right? So let's just get that out of the way right away, okay? So I want to talk about grand gestures today. This is week one of the love month. Fittingly, it's February. And I have the privilege of getting week one in our messages on love. And so I get to start at the very ground zero of what it means for God to be love. This is where everything begins, and it's a great start. So, life is a series of gestures. We, As human beings, we like gestures. And sometimes the bigger, the better. So, one of the big gestures of life is getting engaged. That's a big deal. And how you get engaged is pretty important. Yeah. So we've had a lot of people getting engaged recently. And one of the... It's good. Oh, those youth. I'm just kidding. Young adults. That was on purpose. We get engaged, but we want, we want it to be as dramatic as possible. Now, there's two gestures, two grand gestures that you can have when you get engaged. Only two. Well, there's probably more. Okay? There's sentimental or there's grand, opulent, over-the-top, everything-planned, mission-impossible-style, props, dummies, Actors, lines, the whole bit. Horses, right? Like, I remember hearing somebody's engagement story and I was like, man, like, that, that cost you more than the ring. Because, like, it was, it was like a production. So we can go that way. 
That's a grand gesture, right? You can go sentimental gesture, which I think is also a grand gesture. And that's more you're going for meaning. You're looking for something really that hits home. It's, it's not as fireworks, but it's more just substance. So you can do that one too. But gestures are a big deal. God is the king master of all grand gestures. Even better than Nick. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. God is the master at grand gestures. Let me just name a few for you. Saves Noah in the ark, sends a rainbow, still around today. That's big. Gives Abraham a child while Sarah and Abraham passed age. That's a pretty big gesture. Delivers Israel out of Egypt and through the Red Sea in the process of engulfing all of the Egyptian army. That's up there. Empowers judges to win lopsided victories for Israel. I'm just going through the narrative. Saves the people when their kings turn their back towards God. Sends prophets with the very words of God for his people. These are big deals. Sends John the Baptist. He did a pretty good job. And then, of course, all leading up to Jesus. Jesus is God's grand gesture for his people. And we make grand gestures because we're looking to prove a very big point. A very big point. And it brings us to our verses for today. It's from Romans. This is a, this is a pillar verse. That's why a lot of kids memorize it. It's a pillar verse. And let's read it together. Romans 5. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps... For a good person, one might dare even to die. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And the very there's there's two parts of this that I want to look at. I didn't bring a clicker up. There's two parts of this that I want to look at, and the first is the love of God that we need to look at, and then the secondly is the part of man in all of this. Now the love of God. The closest thing we have as humans is that we maybe, maybe, if we're a really good person, might dare to die for another really good person. Might. That is the, that's the closest thing to how we can work that out and, and act that out. It's the closest But the Bible makes it clear that a very perfect God is dying for a very imperfect people. A very perfect God dying for a very imperfect people. The point of this is God 
wanted, when it says that he showed, God shows us his love, the idea in that word is that he wanted to prove something to humankind. He wanted to make a grand gesture that relayed the information that God's love is greater than anything that could be worked or proven or owned or adopted. God's grand gesture came to us through Jesus. And this speaks not so much of our ability to earn that, but God's generous nature to love and to be willing to give anything. So, how much is a hamster worth to you? Do we have any hamster fans even? I've got to be careful what I say. Right? We do, we do. I'm going to be careful. Right? But. So, how much is a hamster worth to you? Depends who you ask. Right? Depends who you ask. Now, what if your hamster was sick? Then what? What if it was so sick that it was going to die? Wow, that, <laughs> that was redneck. What if it was so sick that it was going to die? Right? What would you be willing to do to save your hamster's life? What if the cost of the medication was the same as you selling your favorite family dog? What about that? Would you be willing to sell your dog to save your hamster? Okay, so now I can move forward because you said no. Right now I can keep going. She said let her, let her rip now. So, right? Would you give your dog for your hamster? What if you had to add extra on top of that? You had to sell some furniture. Maybe you had to sell your car. Now, now it's maybe you had to remortgage your house. No? That would make no sense. Right? It would make no sense. But some questions would be raised if you did that. People would have questions. They would say, what is so, gosh, like, what is so special about this hamster that you're willing to do this? There'd be questions. There'd be major questions. And the reality is, that's actually the wrong way to look at it. Because God is not so concerned that we catch on to the relevance of people but on the overwhelming act of his love. That's the part that we need to catch in all of this. It's not that people were so special to be saved. It's that God's love was so overwhelmingly generous in his desire to do that. As a parent, you get a little glimpse of this with your children. You know the part when I, you know, now there's two reasons for this, but you know when you love your children the most? When they're sleeping. Yeah? Yeah? Right? That's when you love your children the most. It's like, oh, it's, oh. right? And now one, it's because some of the, 
behavior that comes along with being awake ceases, right? But it at their very essence of sleeping, it's just them. They're not making you a drawing for the fridge. They're not scoring a touchdown in the game. They're not getting the overtime goal in the hockey. Like nothing. They're not getting an A+. Plus. Nothing. None of that. They're not doing anything for you. They're not adding any relevance to their life. But, but even this week I was watching my son sleep, which sounds creepy. Right? Just kind of, right? But, but I was just, I, I, was, I was shocked by the love that I saw when, when I just looked at him. And it was just him. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do anything for this boy. Anything. Anything. And the reality of Romans 5 is God wants us to understand that his love is the star of our salvation. His love and his sacrifice. He gave up everything for the hamster. No offense, right? He gave up everything. And the message is not that we're... We didn't earn God's sacrifice. We didn't do anything to deserve it. In fact, it says quite the opposite. And that's the message that we need to embrace for ourselves. This is actually ground zero for being a believer. While we were still sinners, God wanted to prove his love to you by sending his very perfect son, Jesus, who had been with him for all eternity, who was perfect in every way that we don't even have words for. And he said, that's a good deal for me. Because boy, I got love for these people. And he gave up everything. So yes, we should feel a little bit of like, oh, I was, I was worth it. That was great. But the far greater thing is, like, what is this love? What is this love? And it's why they have to. It's why they have to say in Ephesians, "This is for this reason I bow my knees before the Father." Ephesians three fourteen, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend. This is this love that we. It doesn't make sense to us. This is the battle. This is the battle of our Christian life. How do we make sense of the love that God has for us? That's one of the biggest undertakings we can take. We want to go through the Bible in a year. We want to uh, hit one of the prophets and understand that wild stuff a little bit more we want to become experts at revelation we want to find our spiritual gift yes and amen but how do i understand 
the love of God that would send perfection to rescue me while I spit in his face. I don't have it. So we pray. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. It's a swimming pool dimensions of love. Meant to envelop us. Meant to overwhelm us. And you need a spiritual shovel to dig it out. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is ground zero for us as believers. What do I do about God's love for me? Because it should perplex us. But it should be so inviting that we would want to find out. The love of God in this passage Romans 5 also speaks to the unworthiness of humankind. And it's important to catch this. There's some words in here that that are kind of rough for us to hear about ourselves. Words like weak, that's not too bad. Ungodly, little worse. Still sinners, also bad. Enemies of God. Yeah. Let's read it again. Weak, ungodly, still sinners. I'm not browbeating. Enemies. To embrace the love of God for us, we have to embrace the reality of us. That's what makes it all the more What is understanding the reality of our own condition? And by grace alone, today, we are something different than that. And not grace when you said yes. Everyday grace. Because God paid way over market value for his people. The cost was so great... And the people were so lost. Now I'm not talking about value. I'm talking about merit. Earned worth. Your value to God was worth it for him. Every step of the way. But it wasn't because you had earned his salvation. That's very important. Very important. A couple of stories from Luke and from Matthew that show us this very clearly. This is from Luke 19. We know the story well. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. I like this story because he was short, too. And so... Fine. Don't laugh too much. (laughs) He was a chief tax collector and was rich. 
And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, I feel you, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. They grumbled, Romans 5. I've got to find it. He has gone in to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. It's Romans 5. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Since he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. This very purpose. Zacchaeus is a perfect example of a, a man, guest of a man who was a sinner. There's also a story in Matthew 9. It's the same thing. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew, or Levi, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Very similar. And as Jesus reclined at the table, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, living out Romans 5. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when he saw it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what it means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Two stories about the very worst type of humanity in the Bible. Jesus himself says in Matthew 19, if you're dealing with somebody who won't repent of their sin, treat them like a Gentile and a tax collector. So basically, New Testament word for you're dead to me. Okay, and there's two stories in the Bible that are of tax collectors who Jesus met When? When they hadn't done anything yet to earn his invitations. Nothing. He saw them for who they were, not how they were living. That's very good news. That's very good news. Because how we live... It's not always a great representation of who we are. But God sees us perfectly. And he treats us perfectly. And he knows exactly how to relate with you. 
He doesn't relate to you through offense or through past histories or through what the world says or the word on the street or what Facebook says. He knows exactly how to relate to you. And when he calls you, that is how he sees you. And nothing can get in the way of that. This is one of the major cultural issues of the day. Is that we're only as good as our last good act. How much pressure do we feel to act right Talk right, live right, post right, perform right. How much pressure? Knowing that that's not actually how God relates to you. That's not actually how he sees value in you. You can't pull the wool over God's eyes for good or for bad. That's very good news. So there's some mindsets that I'm really hoping that we can adopt or reinforce through this truth. That God is far more interested still in who we are at the expense of what we do. So think about this. Think about this. Okay. So just take a moment for yourself here. When... When God called you, you had nothing to offer. You hadn't done a single thing for him, for his kingdom. You didn't know him. You hadn't done one good thing for God. At the time that he decided to, I'm going to reveal myself to them in such a way that they cannot look away. I'm going to allow them to say yes to my perfect call. And I'm going to give them the ability to embrace me as much as they can as I embrace them. It's, th- it's that intimate when God takes hold of our hearts. It's that close. We hadn't done anything, nothing to earn that. We had done nothing to earn his embrace. But what about now? Why is God embracing you now? Now, there's two embraces that we should consider. One is why God is really embracing you. And the other is why do you think God is embracing you. Consider that. Based on Romans 5, why do you believe that God is happy with you? Is it rooted in the reality that it's His overwhelming, generous love that is poured out on us by grace when we haven't done a single thing and are still sleeping in our beds? Or is it because we've earned 
and have started to pay him back. Don't raise your hand. Who's, who's trying to pay back God with their good deeds? Just, just consider it. Just, just consider it. Let's talk about a few ways that we can uh, live out this mindset. First is the power to be low. The power to be low. Now, as a culture, we're not so big on that, being low. That's not the type of position that we enjoy. But the power to be low, and that is never forgetting why God came to save you. Because you were in need. And that every moment of every day, we are completely reliant on God's grace to make it through the day. I think that God actually does this. He, he removes his grace like a little bit. And then our day goes to shambles. And we, we've all had this where we're like, whoa, man, like something was off today. Maybe I have that more than others, but God's just trying to remind me that if, if it's you, there's a big difference than if it's us. Big difference. But Romans 5 gives us the permission to say, I can be okay with how lowly I am. And that that was okay for God. It's never a bad idea to remember how much God has saved you. How much do we look back? We have photo albums. We have our marriage photo albums. We have of our kids. And we like to look back, we like to reminisce. Boy, we looked young. Boy, there was no beard there, that was weird. Like, we have that stuff. But how much do we look back at our own story with God? How much do we reflect, or is it just full speed ahead with Jesus? Because we can lose, we can lose our story. And as I said before, to fully embrace the love of God, we have to fully embrace our need for the love of God. They go hand in hand. You get this when people, uh, they lose sight of a, of a repentant lifestyle. And we don't want to grieve our sin too much because, you know, that's, that's kind of old school. That's back then. Where, where Christianity was all about shame and guilt and condemnation. That's back then. But when we live that way, we, we don't... You won't experience the forgiveness of God because you're not embracing your need to be forgiven. And God's love is dependent. It's, it's fully realized by us embracing how lost we are. Still, still are. Because humility is our greatest asset. As a believer, humility is our greatest asset. And God wants his people humble. It's everywhere in the Bible. Would you agree? The idea of humility, if you really want to get your head wrapped around it, is it's 
I'm no better, I'm no worse than what God says I am. And to fully allow that to permeate your thoughts. That's going to create a humble heart. I'm no better, I'm no worse. So the power to be low, the power to be slow. Guys, take a breath. Take a breath. We have a hard time being slow. Because if we're not doing, we're falling behind. We're not paying God back. We're not making good on our salvation. I'm a recovering workaholic. Because I needed to pay God back. He saved me from the very depths of humanity. He had to reach a little further down for me. Some of you guys, it was, you know, he didn't even pick you up. He just kind of kept you, kept you flowing. But he had to dig a little bit for me. And there's some of us here that God had to dig a little bit further for us. But even still, I decided early on in my Christian walk, I'm going to pay him back because he needs to see results for my salvation. And every time I ministered out of that, I, it just, that's not the fullness. And you're miserable doing it. We flow out of gratitude for what God has done. We're not earning. We're not buying back. We're not. He, he threw the ledger away a long time ago. We can just be. We can be in God's presence. We can be on a Sunday morning. We can be for six months if something tragic has happened in our life. We don't have to work for God to be pleased with us. You know, shout out for people who lead community groups, of course. But if you're struggling today, if you're hurting, if your life has been hard, if you're burnt out, take a break. You're not losing standing with the Father. You're not losing standing. Because God didn't need you to be all nice and squeaky pretty to save you, and He doesn't need that now. We serve ideally out of the overflowing grace and love that God instills in our life. And that's it. And people can tell the difference. That's why Jesus says, Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Without me you can do nothing. Oh, you can make fruit all right, but it's not much good for anything. You know, I worked at a, at a landscaping place and there was, there was wild plums everywhere. And wild plums are delicious. But we would pick them early where they were still rock hard and we would fill our pockets 
And, you know, as you're passing your coworkers, you would fling a hard, unripe plum at them. I wasn't saved at the time, so it makes sense, of course. But that can end up being our fruit. Hard, unripened projectiles. I think it's true. God wants our usefulness to be out of the fullness of his love in us. And it's different. The power to be low, to be slow, the power to grow. When do we know a field is ready? When it's absolutely empty and black and tilled and beautiful. Bear. First we be and then we grow. This is why Paul was able to say, in my weakness, God strengthens me. Because it's this ability to understand, I didn't have anything to offer God when he saved me. And I need to be receptive of God's grace on me today. And he strips us down and he tills us up. And we all get to start at ground zero because, as I said before, God wants us operating out of his fullness. But he wants to grow the crop. If we grow our own crop, we get hard fruit. We take the fruit, we put it in our pocket, we throw it at our co-workers. But God, maybe, I did. God wants to, and this is the most lovingly thing he can do. Strip us down and prepare us for his good harvest. So we go low, we be slow, grammatically, whatever. We grow, and then we have the power to go. They all rhyme. To give the love of God to the people that need the love of God. This is the life cycle. This is how... We start at ground zero, our inability to have anything to offer God besides our very lives. And God in his generous, overflowing, Olympic pool-sized love that is meant to fully envelop us, fully get lost in it, and take the rest of our Christian lives pleading with the Lord to explain it to us, He allows us to not take ourselves too seriously. He allows us to see the depths of our desires for a savior. He he allows us to sit in that. And to not be pressured to perform. He gives us the ability to grow once he's met us in that very need for him. And then we get to go. And that's what we're all roaring to do is to go. To be, to use our gifts, to tell everybody what God has done for us, to serve in in church, to serve our fellow believers. But we can't miss those other parts of God's process. And it's a process that happens all the time. And the reality is, you might be at go today, and you might find yourself at a full stop a month from now. And that's okay. Because for God to strip you down to your very rawest 
It's just going to remind him of the reason that he saved you in the first place. That's good news. We're going to hear more about this in the coming weeks. But let me read John 15. It it speaks of going and it speaks of Jesus' ministry to us. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus show his love? Greater love has no one than this. That someone Lay down his life for his friends. This is how we go. We lay down our life for our friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. So as the band comes up, let me ask us a few questions. Because we have ample time to respond. I understand that it's difficult to embrace the love of God for you. Maybe it's not for you today, but I know many of us it is. Sadly, I know many of us have never, never really felt God loving us. There are many in the room under that situation that have never, like, You say God is pleased with me. You say God is proud of you. You say God looks at me like a father would look at their child who's asleep. Like, I don't know that pleasure. I don't know what that feels like. But Ephesians tells us to ask and to wait and to believe that God is, he's just so eager to show you. This is ground zero. Do we know the love of God for us, not for what we do? Secondly, I would just say, if, if you are serving like crazy, thank you for serving, but if you are serving like crazy, and you know, I, I serve to, to do enough. I serve to reward God. Back. I, I want to pay him back. then it's easy to stop. Well, it's hard to stop, but we, we start by pleading with the Lord. God, change my heart with service. So why don't we stand? I want to pray for us on these two things. And I want to invite you, I would invite you to just lift your heart. Lift your heart. Have that conversation with the Lord today. If one of these things are relevant or if it's something else, this is the time. God brings our walls down because he really wants access to us. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we can read that you love us. It's, it's right there on the pages of your word. It's everywhere. And we can, we've known, maybe from our childhood, that Jesus came to save our sins because, God, you loved us enough. But our reality is we just don't feel it. Lord, give us courage to ask you again today to reveal your love for us.
I just say, Lord, with faith, this truth changes everything. Father, if we are big on service, but we're, we're trying to earn something, we're trying to pay you back, we're trying to be enough, we're trying to do enough, Lord, bring us back to ground zero, where we can understand that it's nothing that we do that earns something in your books. Would you bring us back to the, that first encounter that we could flow freely out of acceptance, out of your love? It's really because of your love. Lord, would you speak to us today? We're in great need. Amen.